0: Welcome back to Church Online. Uh, Sad to be here again, Um, particularly sad that we can't have the baby dedication today or any of the other things that uh, normally happen at church. Uh, But what we can do is still open God's Word and hear from Him today. And so we are still starting our series in Romans today, the power of the gospel. And so uh, let's pray as we we open this, uh, this time this morning and dedicate it to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can be here and, Lord, that uh, each in our own homes can still come and, and worship you and, and honour you. And, uh, Lord, I pray you'd bring protection to us. and I pray that, Lord, you would, you would uplift our spirits and encourage us through your word from the scriptures today. So I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Throughout this series in Romans, uh, we're gonna be exploring just the first few chapters uh, over the next eight weeks and how the gospel is so central to our lives and such a vital part of our lives both as Christians individually and as a church. Romans is the most theologically rich explanation of the gospel and its power in the world for individuals. You know, the gospel reveals God's righteousness creates a new humanity, fulfills God's promise to Israel and it unifies the church. It was good to see, um, uh, hopefully you've actually seen the video which I sent out in the link as well, which gives a bit of an overview of of an introduction to to Romans. If you haven't seen that yet, feel free to pause this video. In the comments uh, description of this video on YouTube, there is a link where you can go and watch that introduction um, for, for Romans, gives you a bit of a picture of where it's from, then come back and continue on, um, or watch that after at the end, but uh, make sure you do catch that video because it's really helpful to, to unpack that. Um, one commentator writes though, however, about the, in his Romans introduction, he writes, since the great truth of justification by faith alone is at the heart of Paul's letter to the Roman church, the epistle may come as something of a surprise to modern church people. We might have expected the apostle to address believers at Rome, a city crammed with social problems, with a social manifesto, or at least a recitation of the primary truths of Christianity in their application to the social problems of the imperial city. You know, I'm sure that there's probably many people today that wish that's exactly what Paul had done. But you see, Rome was a city of slaves, but Paul did not preach against slavery. It was a city of lust and vice, but Paul did not aim his mightiest guns at those evils. It was a city of gross economic injustice, but it did not thrust the sword of the spirit into the vitals of that plague. It was a city that had been erected on and that had fed on and prospered, by the violence and aggressive greed of war. But the Apostle did not write at length or in detail of its immorality. Apparently, if we are to judge the matter from a strictly biblical standpoint, Paul did not think that social reform in Rome was an evangelical imperative. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ solved the crucial and urgent need for the society as a whole and for people in particular. It is still the imperative of the Christian church and the Christian church will advance only to the extent that its gospel advances. And when when we look around our world, and we see so much brokenness, we look at, economic tragedies all around us with these lockdowns and, and all this uncertainty. We see reports of 184% increase in the first six months of this year in attempted suicides by children and teens. Lifeline sadly keeps smashing their records of the most number of calls for help in a day. And then there are things that are not necessarily connected with COVID restrictions. We see the proliferation of pornography in our world, the degradation of society's morals and values. We see increases in violence, racism, sexual promiscuity, human trafficking and slavery, economic injustice, poverty and hunger. We look at all of what we see around us in the world, let alone what's just happening now in Afghanistan. And it's not that different, really. I guess our 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 global world to when Paul wrote to the Romans, human suffering still exists in our world. Sin still runs rampant. We haven't really come very far in two thousand years, have we? So much so for this, you know, enlightened society. Well, I don't think we're any further along than what Rome was in the first century. The destiny of so many people all around us is filled with pain, torment and destruction. So what is the power that can save us from all of that? What can save us from all the pain and hurt in our world? Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God to bring salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. The gospel is the power that can save us from all the pain and hurt in our world. The word used here translated in English as power is the Greek word dunamis, from which we get the word dynamite. Some preachers take this to be the explosive, radical way in which the gospel produces change in the individual lives and even in history. And yes, we can observe that from time to time. But it's actually a more intrinsic power, one that affects change naturally. The late evangelist evangelist Dwight L. Moody said that the gospel is like a lion, All the preacher has to do is open the door of the cage and get out of the way. Such is the power of the gospel. You know, God has the power to deliver us physically and spiritually, to save us. This is on full display in the gospel. And the basic outcome of salvation is soundness and wholeness. Salvation restores people to what they cannot experience because of sin. The gospel is the power that saves us from sin. Barclay writes, the only way to a right relationship with God is to take God at his word and to cast oneself just as one is on the mercy and the love of God. It is the way of faith. It is to know that the important thing is not what we can do for God, but what God has done for us. For Paul, the centre of the Christian faith was that we can never earn or deserve the favour of God, nor do we need to. The whole matter is a matter of grace and all that we can do is to accept in wondering love and gratitude and trust what God has done for us. But that does not free us from obligations or entitle us to do as we like. It means that forever and forever we must try to be worthy of the love which does so much for us. But there is a change in life. We're no longer trying to fulfil the demands of stern and austere or condemnatory law. We're not like criminals before a judge anymore. We are lovers who have given all life in love to the one who first loved us. When we understand the gospel and experience the power of the love that God unleashes in us through his Holy Spirit, it changes our motivations. We don't do what God asks because we we fear retribution or rebuke from God or, or even his wrath. We do so out of love because we've experienced the love of God personified in the gospel, which is the power that saves us. Romans 1.17, for the, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Paul explains here what it meant, well, what he meant when he said that when a person believes the gospel, they are saved. What makes the gospel powerful is its content, The salvation that God has provided and offers is in keeping with his righteous character. Paul's message was the gospel. He felt no shame declaring it, but was eager to proclaim it because it was a message that can deliver everyone who believes it. It is a message of how a righteous God makes people righteous. The theme of the gospel is the righteousness of God and the theme of Romans is the gospel. So that's the power of the gospel, and the gospel is the power to save us. But I have a question for you. If this power has been in the world for the last 2,000 years, why has everything gone so wrong? And not only has it gone wrong, but we're told that God's wrath is coming against the wicked. are without excuse. So I want to make a few things clear from this passage. Paul explains that God's wrath is upon sinful people who reject the truth. Those who reject God's truth will experience his wrath and the reason God's wrath is upon human beings is because his reality is self-evident from creation. So what Paul is saying is that no one has the excuse that they didn't know. Excuses are easy to find for for many of us. We heard a lot of them last week from Tim. You know, like when I asked the kids why they didn't do something that they'd been asked to do, I regularly hear the excuse, I forgot. Sounds a bit like other excuses we've heard in public life recently, I cannot recall. But there's no excuse for humanity when it comes to God. The reason God's wrath is legitimately upon human beings is because the knowledge of God is available to them. God has made it plain to them. The reason the knowledge of God is available to human beings is because God has revealed himself to us. Paul explains that, that God has revealed his attributes, his power and his deity through creation. And so the result is that human beings are without excuse. Now, Michael and I, Michael who sits up the back in the middle, uh, we share a great enjoyment for a drink that is like no other, Dr. Pepper. It's, uh, it's just a wonderful, wonderful drink uh, and, and I, I, I love it. As does Michael. Now I know that not everyone likes the taste. It is it is quite unique. Is that that really unique smell? It's, it's really delicious. I, I love it. Um and, and Mike's even been kind enough to share a few with me. Mmm. Oh, that is good. Yes, Dr. Pepper. Um, I often say to the kids that I'm gonna go see the good doctor and then crack open a can. <laughs> just something funny, you know. Um, but, but this can, it didn't come into existence by itself, right? It didn't just miraculously appear, although I, it's probably sent from heaven, but it didn't just miraculously appear. It exists because it was created. This can of Dr Pepper testifies to its creator. And so it is with creation in our world. Scientists adhere to the unproven theory of evolution. There was a big bang. I reckon that when God flung billions of stars into space from nothing, there would have been a large bang at that time. No doubt about that. But when they espouse that everything we see today came to exist by chance and happenstance? Oh, kidding me, right? I think that requires much more faith than believing that God created it. Because the odds of that happening, as the scientist's theory goes, are the same odds as a dictionary being the end result of an explosion of a printing press. Napoleon on a warship in the Mediterranean on a starlit night. Past a group of his officers who were mocking at the idea of God and he stopped and swooping his hand towards the stars, he said, gentlemen, you must get rid of those first. God has revealed himself to us in creation. There is a creator because there is a creation. And so as humans, we have no excuse. God's wrath is upon sinful people who reject the truth. The reason God's wrath is upon human beings is because his reality is self-evident from creation. The reason I know there is a creator of this Dr. Pepper is because of its existence. The same goes with our world. And further to that, the reason God's wrath is upon human beings is because they refuse to honour him and thank him and become foolish idolaters instead. Romans 1, 21-23. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. The reason we human beings are without excuse is because we chose not to honour or give thanks to God despite having the knowledge of God. Instead of honouring and thanking God, we stopped thinking accurately and instead, thinking we were wise, became fools and expressed as expressed by our folly in idolatry. That is, worshipping created things rather than the Creator. And worshipping created things is so prevalent in our society. When you think about it, what do we devote more time, energy, resources, attention to than to God? And this tragic process of human God-making or idolatry, it really does continue rapidly in our day, in our own day. And Paul's words have as much relevance for people who have made money or sex or fame their gods as for those who carved idols out of wood and stone. The idea that over time a society have moved on and moved up intellectually, physically, morally, or spiritually, it's really, that notion is false. The pull is downward. Man is moving away from God. And right now the world is probably further from God than at any time in its history. So that is what has gone wrong. However, what is the result? Well, the result is ever increasing levels of degraded thinking and conduct. Verse 24, Therefore God gave them over in their sinful desires of their heart Let me start that again from verse 24. Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies within one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. The result of... Rejecting the knowledge of God is that God gave them over to wrong thinking and wrong behaviour. Their willful abandonment of truth means that God gave them over to the impure desires of their hearts, the dishonouring of their bodies with one another. These are the same people who exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped creation instead of the Creator. So when we reject God, when we reject His truth, when we reject His goodness and instead choose foolishly, God says, okay, you can have that. He doesn't step in and bend our will to His. He grants us our wishes. He says, if that's your choice, then okay. Like if you're sick and the doctor says that to fully recover, you need to rest, take a week off, sleep more, eat fruit and veggies, take prescribed medication, follow instructions for recovery, but instead you choose not to submit to the methods prescribed, but willfully do the opposite, then the physician is not to be blamed. That's on the patient for not following the advice, not the doctor. The result of mankind exchanging truth for a lie was that God gave them over to their disgraceful passions, which Paul illustrates in this passage in the next few verses with homosexuality. Paul continues and says of those who've exchanged the truth of God for lies, he says from verse 29, they have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil, they disobey their parents, they have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Paul does not pull any punches. Because they did not acknowledge God, He gave them over to a depraved mind and it's resulting conduct. And even worse in my thinking is that even though they are aware of God's righteous judgment coming upon the people who do these things, they still do it and encourage others to do likewise. Verse 32, although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, They not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. There are few more evil things, I believe, than celebrating and encouraging sinful, depraved behavior willingly. And yet we see so much of that happening in our world. We see rainbow flags on government buildings and corporate logos and not because they are celebrating God's covenant with man after the flood. That's the origin of the rainbow. It was a sign of God's promise to never again wipe humility off the face of the earth. Yet now it is used in our culture like a dirty rag being rubbed in the face of God. What God gave us as a sign of his faithfulness... Humanity is thrown back in his face. Our culture has shifted so far from godly morals and values that our world now expects everyone to not only approve of, but to celebrate what God has called sinful. We also see our TV shows and movies glorifying greed, gossip, murder, violence, lust and all kinds of wickedness. And that affects us in the real world because it desensitises us to things that we should find abhorrent, offensive, at least icky. Popular culture, the news media and social media do not sow hope into our world. They, became an, they become an echo chamber of division, depravity and despair. Bill Murray once said, Social media is training us to compare our lives instead of appreciating everything we are. No wonder why everyone is always depressed from a comedian. And that's the reality of, we, of our world. We can all say it. And COVID has only stoked these divisions and, and, and increased the depravity even more. And so really, what hope is there for our world? What hope is there for our kids and grandkids who are growing up in this environment and culture? Dan Andrews doesn't have the answer. Scott Morrison doesn't have the answer. Channel 9, 7 or 10, 2, ABC, they don't have the answer. Celebrities don't have the answer. Our society does not have the answer. What will save these depraved people who have rejected God and his truth? Well, where did we start today? The only thing that will save them is the power of the gospel. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. There is hope. There is a future. There is a power that can save all of humanity. There is a power that can save those fleeing in terror in Afghanistan. There is a power that can save those struggling with depression in lockdowns. There is a power that can save you and I. The power is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news that Jesus loved you so much that he died for you, taking your place, taking the penalty of our sin upon himself so that through our faith in his life, death and resurrection, we could be restored to a right relationship with the Father. That is the power that is available to each and every person today. That is the power that brings salvation to everyone who believes. And if you've never encountered Jesus and the love and and the hope that he brings to you freely, then don't ignore him today. You know, maybe Jesus is speaking to you right now. He's speaking right into your life right now. You are feeling something. He's he's calling you. You might even feel that in your bones, in your body right now. What if that's happening to you right now, and you want to experience the love, forgiveness, and salvation that he offers you today, then don't ignore it. Do not ignore your encounter with Jesus. You know, one thing you can do right now is pray to God and accept his offer of love to save you from the depravity of sin. Prayer is just like talking to a friend. If you want to accept the salvation that Jesus offers you today in the gospel, then pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus Christ, I am so sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life. Please forgive me. I now turn from everything that I know is wrong. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your spirit. I now receive that gift. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit and be with me forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, then I would love to make contact with you. You can either comment on this video on YouTube and I will get back to you. Or you can send me an email, aaron at wangratabaptist.com.au. I would love to to respond to you in person and to help walk you through those first steps of faith from this point. But what can we do to help other people? How can we reach the people that Romans describes as depraved with the hope of the gospel? Well, the first thing we can do is pray. Pray for three friends you don't yet know Jesus. Pray that they would have an encounter with Jesus like you have had an encounter with Jesus. And if you don't have three friends that don't know Jesus, then go and join a club, a men's shed, a craft group, a choir, a band, a community service organization, volunteer organization or any other group that meets with an interest that you have and go and make some new friends as soon as you can when lockdowns are lifted. And then pray for them. The second thing we can do is share. Share with people about the hope that we have in the gospel. And it's, it's actually quite easy. It's as easy as, as asking if you can pray for a friend in their time of need. It's as easy as taking someone a meal who's feeling down. It's as easy as helping a neighbour. It's as easy as catching up for a coffee or lunch with a friend, going for a walk. You know, sharing Jesus happens naturally when we are in relationships with other people. There is nothing to be ashamed of in the gospel. It is the power of salvation to those who believe. So if you are a believer then the hope of Jesus will shine through you naturally to your friends and family. And through your relationships, you will have the opportunity to share about the hope you have in the gospel, a hope that is the power of salvation. So pray and share, pray and share. Pray for your friends who don't know Jesus. Share your life with others and let Jesus shine through you with words too, if you have the opportunity. Let us pray. Almighty God, we are enthralled by this love that you've displayed for us, that gives us the amazing hope that we have in the gospel, which is the power unto salvation for those who believe. And Lord, we thank you so much that you have saved us. Lord, I pray for those who may have prayed that prayer for the first time today. Lord, I pray that you would encourage them in their faith, that you would help them stand strong, that you would sow life into them continually. Lord, I pray for strength and endurance for all of us at this time. Lord, we thank you that you are a God that loves us and cares for us so deeply, that you sacrifice so much for us, Right now, I know some of us are struggling. And so, Lord, we pray you bring us your comfort and your peace. We pray you bring us your strength to endure. And that, Lord, we pray that you would unleash the joy of the Holy Spirit within our hearts and with our bodies and within every fibre of our being. Because joy is not a feeling, Lord. It is fruit of the Spirit. And so, Lord, bring us joy, bring us peace, bring us your love. May we experience you deeply every day. And may we not only pray for people to come to to know you and to be saved from the depravity of wrong thinking and of all the icky stuff in our world, Lord, Lord, I pray that you would help us share about the gospel with them too. Lord, we pray that... Jesus, you would shine through us to those around us. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Well, thank you for joining with us. Hopefully, we'll be back sooner enough. But if not, you can be guaranteed that we're going to be online every week anyway. Um, So even when we're back in person, we still upload our sermons each week. Uh, For now, though, I say blessings to everyone. I hope we can be together again very soon. Goodbye.